I want to welcome everybody today to the Immigration Hour. It's great to be back with you uh, after a delightful uh, week last week uh, attending the annual conference of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Kudos to Kelly Stump for putting on a great conference uh, and for literally the hundreds of speakers uh, that um, were able to share their knowledge with us. Uh, it was delightful. This is your host, Charles Cook of the Immigration Hour at Cook Baxter Immigration. Great to be with you again. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking at a couple different panels on um, one on suing the suing the Department of State, which is always a lot of fun. Hopefully, if, if you're a lawyer listening to this and you haven't sued the Department of State, take me up on the offer and do it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, uh, I spoke on that panel with Joey Barnett of uh, Wolfsdorf uh, Rosenthal Immigration out of Los Angeles, uh, my friend Bernie Wolfsdorf's partner. Joey did a great job. And uh, uh, earlier panel, I spoke with the you know perhaps the smart one of the smartest immigration lawyers in America, Margaret Stock out of Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, Margaret is the uh, the world expert, period, end of story, on military uh, immigration issues, uh, MAVNI, et cetera. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stock uh, uh, retired, I believe, a couple of years ago as, uh, as a Lieutenant Colonel in the, uh, as an M- in the MP, in the military police. Uh, she's kind of my, my personal Jack Reacher connection. Uh, Margaret and I spoke on some alternative methods of relief for clients, like private bills and uh, other kind of crazy waiver stuff. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we had a blast. Uh, you know, it was funny because uh, my last session, one with Joey, was at 4 o'clock on Saturday, the last day of the conference, and I thought, oh my gosh, not going to be anybody at this conference. Nobody's going to be at this session. And sure enough, we packed in a, a few hundred people. So it was uh, clearly immigration lawyers are uh, more dedicated than most of the lawyers out there who'd be on the golf course or enjoying their families in Orlando on a Saturday afternoon rather than sitting in immigration law conference. But, you know, President Trump picked an amazing week again. It seems like every time, every year in June, when we have our ALA conference, that the uh, Immigration Service uh, or the President uh, do some incredibly crazy thing uh, that um, uh, immigration lawyers go, why aren't I in the office for this? Oh my goodness, I've got to be in the office for this. And um, sure enough, this week it was President Trump's uh, a tweet uh, earlier in the week uh, that he was going to deport, this is on, I believe it was on either Monday or Tuesday of last week, Uh, that he was going to deport millions, literally millions of people, and the raids would start, uh, this would start on Sunday. Now, I think, as I talked yesterday on the Political Rewind with Bill Nygut at GBP on on that podcast, this is not a statement based in any reality in which you and I live in. It's not based in the American reality. It's not based on any reality. Uh, and uh, when Trump tweeted uh, that they would begin to stage nationwide raids uh, starting on Sunday with the goal of deporting millions of immigrants, all of a sudden ICE is going, what? We're doing what? Did we all of a sudden get a whole bunch more agents and a lot more money? Um, the agency, as reported um, uh, just today uh, by Jonathan Blitzer in The New Yorker, great article. You've got to read this article. Um that the agency, ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, was suddenly thinking, what are we going to do? They were literally not prepared to carry out such a large operation, specifically because they literally can't. They literally can't. If you're going to arrest even thousands of people, you have to take field officers, which there aren't a huge number. Now, ICE has lots of agents, but most of them not field officers. Um, 
six to eight weeks to plan. And Trump is saying starting on Sunday. So now officers are going to go into communities that people know they're coming. People have been warned. They, they have, and, and folk, immigration lawyers like me said, here's your rights. Because we know they end up arresting innocent people. They even arrest U.S. citizens frequently. Uh, so better that everybody exercises their rights rather than ICE illegally arresting somebody else. Um, and uh, John Amaya, who is the former deputy chief of staff at ICE, said this quote to Jonathan Blitzer. It was a dumb shit political move that will only hurt the agents. Wow. On Saturday, you know, and it's funny because there's this outcry thinking, this is crazy. And his lawyers like me got on social media on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, warning people about what they should be doing. We also took the moment to explain that this was physically impossible. And then, in fact, ICE was not going out just to round people up. They, were, they, they had an idea of an operation going back to last fall, coming out of President Miller's uh, little demented mind, that they were going to set people up to be deported by releasing them into the communities as families, uh, not giving them legal counsel, uh, not telling them when their hearings were going to be. And when they didn't show up, they were going to get an in absentia order, and then they were going to arrest those people. And it turns out there was only about 2,300 of these people. Just 2,300. I mean, that's really what they were talking about. Blitzer said he spoke to an ICE officer about the week's operations and said, quote, almost nobody was looking forward to this operation. Oh, there are some. Quote, it was a boondoggle, a nightmare. On the eve of the operation, many of the most important details remain on this all. This was, quote, a family op. So where are we going to put the families? There's no room to detain them. So we're going to put them in hotels, the officer said. On Friday, an answer came down from ICE leadership. Families would be placed in hotels while ICE figured out what to do with them. That, in turn, raised other questions. So the families are in hotels. But who's going to watch them? What happens to the person we arrest as a U.S. citizen child? What do we do with the children? Do we need to get booster seats for the vans? Should we get kids' toys to play with? I mean... Quote, no police agency goes out and says, tomorrow, between 4 and 8, we're going to these neighborhoods. This is clearly not a happy ICE officer. And I will tell you, I didn't speak to any ICE officers, but I know a lot of these guys. There, uh, there, there are some that are thinking, yes, we're going to go out and be the stormtroopers. The vast majority are good men and women just trying to do the job that they, that they have. Um, and that is to deport people with final removal orders. Um, the best part of the reporting from Blitzer is, I think, this that the idea for this, quote, operation took hold in the White House last September, two months after a federal judge had ordered the government to stop separating parents and children at the border. At the time, the number of families seeking asylum were rising, and, administra- which, and they've skyrocketed, of course, here in the spring, and administration officials were determined for tougher enforcement. One DHS, DHS official said that in the months before the operation was proposed, a, quote, major focus, close quote, of department meetings was, quote, was concern about the fact that people on the non-detained docket, asylum seekers, recent court, are almost never deported. By January, a tentative plan materialized. The DOJ, EOIR, the Immigration Courts, developed a, quote, rocket docket, close quote, to prioritize the cases of asylum seekers who just arrived in the country and missed a court date. In their absence, the government got a secure order. 
So basically, from this list, the DHS created a roughly 2,500 person target list across the country, and they were aiming to arrest 10,000 people using these methods. So basically, ICE and DOJ together created a situation in which people did not know about their hearings or were afraid to go, did not have legal representation, did not give them time to prepare for their hearings, and then basically put them on the, uh, got a final order as quickly as they possibly could, and bam, uh, all of a sudden you've got, uh, you've got a situation where people are now eligible to be deported. Um, so this is where it gets crazy. Uh, again, I mean, this is really, really crazy. Uh, from the start, the plan faced resistance. Kirsten Nielsen argued the arrest would be complicated to carry out because U.S. children are involved. This is where people in the White House, particularly President Miller, uh, these guys literally have no soul. They don't care. They literally don't care about the children. They don't care about the parents. They don't care about the anguish. They simply don't care. They just want to deport people. They don't even care about the law. Like when you hear a president talk about the loopholes. It's not loopholes. They're the law. And they're the law for a very, very good reason, which we'll get into shortly. So uh, Ron Vitiello, who was the uh, head of ICE at the time, acting head of ICE, this guy was no cupcake. I mean, he's a former head of the Border Patrol. He said uh, their reservations weren't even ethical. They were just logistical. Executing a vast operation would be extremely difficult with multiple moving pieces. And basically, four months later, Trump fired them. So Trump puts into Vitiello's place a guy named Mark Morgan, who'd already been fired once by Trump, but then went on Fox News and talked tough, so uh, Trump put him back in charge of ICE. There's zero chance this guy is getting confirmed, by the way, by the Senate. Uh, then Trump, who just put in Kevin McLeanan, McLeanan um, as DHX secretary, McLeanan's like, whoa, dude, you know... This is a huge distraction and a waste of manpower. We can use our funds way better and deport more people if we do it a different way. Um, and the fact that a $4.5 billion funding bill has been held up because Democrats worried that instead of giving it for humanitarian aid at the border, are going to use it for enforcement. Um, McAleen is up on the Hill getting some progress, and then Trump announces the crackdown. Um, According to one administration official, McAleenan argued the operation would threaten a string of recent gains made by the president. Um, and sure enough, it has. Uh, on the other side of the arguments were President Miller at the White House and Mark Morgan and ICE. In the days before and after Trump's Twitter announcement, Morgan spoke regularly with the president, who was circumventing McAleenan, Morgan's boss. In meetings with, I mean, this is what this administration says, absolutely crazy. Um, you know what it's going to take to rein this, these clowns in when Trump's gone, and he will be gone eventually. Uh, it's going to be terrible. Um, and then over the weekend, Trump says he's going to halt the operation. But, but it's, you know, we don't even know what happened. Officials in the, in the House, White House authorized ICE, an agency under which McAleen is in charge, to issue a press release insinuating that someone had leaked important details about the operation, therefore compromised it. Quote, any leak telegraphing sensitive law enforcement operations is egregious and puts our officer safety in danger, close quote. That's a bizarre statement since it was Trump who publicized the operation in the first place. Um, 
But this time, the White House is saying uh, uh, that McAleenan, including, and, and this is being said by Tom Homan, uh, who Trump wants to be the immigration czar who, who left as head of ICE and then turned that job down, but who goes on Fox News every day, accused McLean of sharing the information with reporters to undermine the operation when, in fact, it was Trump himself. I mean, this is, this is loony. Uh, th- this is absolutely loony about what's going on on this. Um, now, Trump said this. Uh, He's going to green light the Osmanian in two weeks. So we know in two weeks. And the deportation, the big deportation begins. You know, I have to wonder, people that support this guy, um, don't you think he's just slightly unhinged? Just just a tad bit? Just maybe, maybe a little? Some, I mean, I think he's completely nuts, but I, you got to think, he's just not... Got all the pieces in the chess set? Uh, missing a couple of the checkers there? Um, maybe he lost some of the cards in Monopoly game? I don't know, but this, this is weird. So at the same time, this so that he delays the potential for And then we talk about our next segment, uh, the, board, the kids at the Border Patrol Station in Clint, Texas. 250 kids, children, teenagers, weeks, months in squalid conditions, not enough food, water, soap, toothbrushes, limited access to medicine in the wake of flu and lice outbreaks. Um, I mean, if the Democrats would, so Trump says, if the Democrats would change the asylum laws and the loopholes, everything would be solved immediately. There are no loopholes. What Trump wants to do is violate our international treaty obligations for the refugee treaty we signed, um, International Convention on, on, on Treatment of Refugees and Asylees, in 1967. He wants to eliminate that. That's what our asylum laws reflect. That's why you can apply for asylum anywhere in the United States, and you can come up to any port of entry and apply for asylum, because that's what the treaty says we have to be able to do. That's what we do. Um, now, this is, uh, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, this is, uh, um, you know, Obama um, was not exactly uh, held in high esteem by ISIS officers. I can testify to that. Um, because Obama, through the DHS secretary and then ICE in the normal chain of command, gave a detailed list of enforcement priorities in 2014. You're going to do this, 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 and this, and then last this. And it was resented as micromanagement. Now ICE guys are going, quote, one person told me, I never thought I'd say this, but I missed the Obama rules. We remove people, more people with the rules we had in place than with all this. It was much easier when we had priorities. It was cleaner. They're right. It was a whole lot easier on everybody. You knew that if you committed a crime and you were convicted, you were gone. Now, you don't know. And, and this is absolutely insane. Um, you know, Trump views ICE, uh, Blitzer points out, as a political tool. He views it as a political Um and uh, to showcase his toughness. Um, but Trump says, no, there's no framework. One officer said, quote, I don't even know what we're doing now. A lot of us see the photos of the kids at the border and wondering, what the hell is going on? The influx of Central American migrants, an officer noted, has been an issue for more than a decade, spanning three presidential administrations. Quote, no one built up the infrastructure to handle this, and now people are at the border suffering for it. They say we were caught flat-footed, but that's a bald-faced, blanking lie. There you go. 
You got it all right there. This is a creation of Trump. This is the administration from President Miller to President Trump uh, to all the crazy anti-immigration people running all the immigration agencies. This chaos is their fault. And human beings, our brothers and sisters, are suffering. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's, uh, well, not America's Web Radio anymore. i got to stop doing that. It's just a vocal thing after a decade. Uh, it's great to be back with you. This is your host, Charles Cook, uh, on the Immigration Hour. We have uh, an interesting um, uh, event, a really tragically uh, event that happened this week. Um, we've known for a while that the conditions in which uh, families and children have been held are are terrible. They're terrible. Um, and uh, But I think it really came into focus this week when several lawyers and a, and a mental health professional got in to a, uh, uh, a several detention centers on the border, including in Clint, Texas. Um, and uh, we were able to see just how terrible this was. Um, Let's take a look at that. Um, uh, Matt, Matt Steeb, uh, Steib, uh, I think it's Steeb, on the Intelligencer uh, out of the New York Magazine, wrote a good article that came out uh, yesterday on uh, everything we know right now about uh, uh, what's happening in immigration detention. Um, uh, a, a, do- a doctor, uh, Dr. Severe, uh, Dolly Lucio Severe, wrote up a medical declaration after visiting a Border Patrol holding facility along the border in Texas. Here's what we know about condition in detention camps. Dr. Severe, uh, a private practitioner in the Rio Grande Valley, was granted access to a facility in McAllen, Texas, after attorneys discovered a flu outbreak that sent five infants to a neonatal intensive care unit at the detention center, the largest such border patrol facility in the country. Severe examined 39 children under the age of 18, facing conditions including, quote, extreme cold temperatures, lights on 24 hours a day, no adequate access to medical care, basic sanitation, water, or radical food. All 39 exhibited evidence of signs of trauma. Severe told ABC News that the teenagers she observed were not able to wash their hands while in custody, which she called, quote, tantamount to intentionally causing the spread of disease, close quote. Teen mothers in custody described to her not being able to clean their children's bottles. To deny parents the ability to wash their infants' bottles is unconscionable, and can be considered intentional, mental, and emotional abuse. In summary, she determined that, quote, the conditions within which they are held could be compared to torture facilities, close quote. Uh, Outside of El Paso, attorney and children's rights advocate Warren Binford gained access to the uh, Clint, Texas Border Patrol facility where 351 migrant children were detained. Over 100 were under the age of 13, and the youngest was just over four months, and there was no adults. Many of the kids had been held for three weeks or longer, and that guards had created a, quote, child boss, close quote, who was rationed extra food in an attempt to control the other children. This is like freaking Lord of the Flies. This is insane stuff. On Wednesday, we received reports from children of a lice outbreak in one of the cells where there were about 25 children. And what they told us is that six of the children were found to have lice and they were given a lice shampoo 
and the other children were given two combs and told to share those two combs, two lice combs, and to brush their hair with the same combs, which is something you never do with a lice outbreak. And then what happened was one of the combs was lost, and Border Patrol agents got so mad, they took away the children's blankets and mats. They weren't allowed to sleep on the beds. They had to sleep on the floor, the concrete floor, on Wednesday night as punishment for losing the comb. So you had a whole cell full of kids who had beds and mats at one point, not for everybody, but for most of them, who were forced to sleep on cement. This is insane. Binford also described a devastating example of two-year-old without diapers who had several other little girls looking after him. When I asked where his diapers were, they looked down and said, he doesn't need them. And then he immediately peed his pants right there in the conference chair and started crying. So children are being required to care for other very young children, and they're not prepared to do so. Um, this, is, uh, this is insane. I mean, this is, this is truly uh, insanity uh, that, uh, that, that is happening in our name. This is, this is happening in, in our name. This is, this is crazy. Um, now, uh, the attorneys uh, uh, of these children threatened to sue the governor if they denied a visit from a physician. So that's how they got the physician in here. Uh, they are part of the, the team working under the Flores settlement who get to do inspections of facilities, a 1997 ruling that stipulated detention standards for unaccompanied minors being held for less than 72 hours and in the least restrictive setting appropriate to the child's age and special needs. Uh, so they are allowed to visit and interview them. Uh, the doctor had no connections to the lawyers um, other than a request for a physician to be granted access to them. Um, and, th and so the lawyers then negotiated access to the Cliff facility in advance, and officials from CB2 knew of their arrival for weeks. So CB2 knew these people were coming and didn't do anything? I mean, this is, uh, this is absolutely insane. Um, they, then they have now transferred uh, these kids um, uh, to another facility, which we'll see when we have access to that, what that actually means. Um, and uh, Trump, at the same time, when asked about this, uh, said, oh, it was Obama's fault. You know, under President Obama, you had separation. I was the one that ended it. What? You, you are the God. You're the godfather of doing this. You are the man making it happen. Uh, Jeff Sessions is the one who told you to do it. And you caused it. Um, so CBP says in a statement, and he has, quote, limited resources, is leveraging all of them to provide the best care possible to those in our custody, especially children. And yet Congress just gave them $400 million that they're not using. Uh, and uh, CBP said this in a statement, quote, as... Uh, DHS and CPP leadership have noted numerous times our short-term holding facilities were not designed to hold vulnerable populations, and we urgently need additional humanitarian funding to manage this crisis. CPP works closely with our partners at the Department of Health and Human Services to transfer unaccompanied children to custody as soon as placement is identified and as quickly and efficiently as ensure proper care. All allegations of civil rights abuse or mistreatment in custody are taken seriously. They, they, don't, they don't take this seriously. Um, this is this is not being serious. Uh, when they are when they have been warned for months, the acting secretary and the acting commissioner, um, they they can do nothing. Uh, this is uh, wildly inappropriate. Um, the Senate passed the four point six billion dollars spending bill last week. Uh, the House should be passing one to their own version today. 
Uh, and then they're just trying to get this done by third, by Thursday or Friday when they're leaving. Uh, you know, the Democrats aren't holding up this money. Uh, it's Republicans that, that want to add stuff to it when we just want to get these people taken care of. Um, but this is, uh, this is tragic. Uh, this, is, this is horrific. Um, this is as uh, bad, bad as it gets. Uh, and uh, we are allowing this to happen in our name. And this is, uh, wow, this, I mean, it's just emotionally horrible. Uh, something that um, it is, uh, I mean, it's just awful. It, it takes your breath away. Um, another, the New York Times reported, Alora uh, uh, Mukherjee, director of the Immigrants' Right Clinic at Columbia Law School, went down to the Clint facility, quote, there is a stench. The overwhelming majority of children have not bathed since they crossed the border. They have not changed their clothes since they crossed the border. Uh, border Patrol agents said some of the detainees have been held in standing room only conditions for days or weeks to make room and gain breathing space, thus limiting access to toilets. Uh, the toilets are in an open cell, in these open cages where they're keeping them. Um, and it is, uh, it is horrible. Uh, it's absolutely horrible. Uh, Mukherjee said that Clint was the worst she had seen in any facility in her 12-year career. So many children are sick, they have the flu, and they're not being properly treated. Um, it, is, um, it is just horrible. Just horrible. Uh, the group of six lawyers met with 60 children at Clint who ranged from age from five months, now five months, to 17 years old. Infants were either children of minor parents who were also detained or have been separated from adult family members who were not their parents with whom they had crossed the border. Um, and yet, a lot of these kids have parents in the United States. Um, wow, I mean, this is, uh, this is just awful. Lawyer, children told the lawyers they were given the same meals every day, instant oat for breakfast, instant noodles for lunch, a frozen burrito for dinner, along with a few cookies and juice packets, which many said was not enough. Nearly every child I spoke with said they were hungry. Um, another group of lawyers cutting inspections under the same court settlement said they discovered similar conditions earlier this month at six other facilities in Texas. At the Border Patrol's Central Processing Center in McAllen, office known as Ursula, the lawyers encountered a 17-year-old mother from Guatemala who couldn't stand because of complications from an emergency sick section and who was caring for a sick and dirty premature baby. When we encountered the baby and her mom, the baby was filthy. They wouldn't give her any water to wash her, and I took a Kleenex and washed around her neck black dirt. Not little stuff, dirt. Um, this, is, uh, this is absolutely insane. And then to top that all off, government lawyers who were arguing the Ninth Circuit this week, an appeal uh, which required, they were appealing the, uh, a lower court order to make them care for these children in, in, in humanitarian ways. Um, the government lawyer um, um, argued that amenities such as soap and toothbrushes should not be mandated under the legal settlement, the Florida settlement originally agreed to by the government and amended several times since all three judges voiced dismay. Among the guidelines set under the legal settlement are the facilities for children to be safe and sanitary. The government, the Justice Department's lawyer, Sarah Fabian, who should never get a job in the private sector ever again, that she made this argument and didn't, it didn't bother her morally to do it, argued the settlement agreement did not specify the need to supply hygienic items and that, therefore, the government 
not need to do so. Judge Fletcher said, quote, are you arguing seriously that you do not read the agreement as requiring to do anything other than what I just described? Called all night long, lights all night long, sleeping on concrete, and you got an aluminum foil blanket. Fabian said, um, uh, Judge Fletcher said, I find that inconceivable that the government would say that that is safe and sanitary. So that is, uh, this is, this is the Trump administration on full view. Now full, now everybody should know, the world will know how Donald Trump and his minions treat refugees, asylum seekers. You know, uh, Turkey is a haven compared to Greece, is a haven compared to what we are doing to these women and children. This is unconscionable, and it is being done in the name of Americans. And if you are upset by this, you should get online, you should write your congressmen and senators, you should pay, you should give money over to the folks at Al Otro Lado and those uh, organizations that are helping represent these people in court. Um, you need to make your voice heard because until your voice is heard, they simply won't care. And dare I suggest, you better well vote in November of 2020. We'll take our next break here on the Immigration Hour. I'll tell you in a bit. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour. So, you know, the last segment here, I want to I talk about how Congress is reacting to this, um, the, 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 this crisis on the border. Uh, and it's important to understand that there is, there is some bipartisan agreement, um, but that bipartisan agreement is uh, not necessarily across both houses of Congress. So uh, the, uh, the Senate uh, has moved to um, uh, 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 to create and has passed a uh, five, $4.5 billion dollar uh, spending, emergency spending bill, uh, and uh, that really bipartisan. In fact, the only, um, uh, the only uh, uh, person who voted against that in the Senate committee was Jeff uh, Merkley from, uh, from Oregon. Uh, the, uh, the Senate bill includes stuff, though, that the House, simply House bill, is simply not going to address. For example, the House bill uh, contains $50 million less for the immigration courts uh, because they know Trump's just simply going to appoint judges that spout his position and deny asylum cases, so they're not going to give any more money to them. Uh, it leaves out $61 million that Senate approved to remedy a pay shortfall at ICE. Uh, I wouldn't have done that, but $3.7 million for ICE deportation costs. I understand why they don't do that. And $21.3 million for ICE investigations work. That typically is HSI, and that's typically um, uh, uh, done for human smuggling and for fraud. And I don't really have a – I mean, I think ICE, HSI should be getting that money. The House does have $5.5 million, million that Senate bill does not contain for ICE to do background investigations and facility inspections, um, which they're currently not doing. Um, so – the, uh, the, but the House bill also requires the Trump administration to use the money Congress already provided for aid to Central Americans, which the 400 million, which is not used, 
Uh, and under that bill, HSS would be allowed to provide the same scope of legal services to a company and children that was able to, able to do during the Obama administration. So they would give lawyers back into the unaccompanied children. The Obama administration finally got around to doing near the end of its tenure. And, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, it's possible that this bill passes. Uh, the Democrats' bill includes language requiring temporary detention facilities to meet the same standard as longer-term facilities within 12 months rather than the 14-month deadline in the Senate bill. Okay. Um, and so that, that, that's easy to resolve. Um, and uh, uh, House uh, spending leaders highlight the fact the House bill contains an additional $30 million for lawmakers who represent communities near the U.S. border, requested to reimburse local governments and groups provide humanitarian support for incoming groups. Uh, so, I mean, I don't see um, why this bill wouldn't pass. It's going to pass with a bipartisan support. It's going to be Democrats that vote against it, um, a lot of them in the Progressive Caucus, because uh, they don't think the safeguards in the House version are enough to rein in the administration. Um, but I, I think ultimately, uh, while it's a tough sell for someone in the Democratic Caucus, I think they, they literally have to do this. It doesn't include any money for the wall. Uh, so and a bar for the wall, um, and uh, so we're going to see whether the Senate is going to get this done. Now I will tell you uh, that uh, there are plenty of people who don't think it's going to uh, be uh, come to a conclusion. Um, lawmakers appear to they want to get this up before the July Fourth recess, which is Friday or Thursday, I guess they could go for one week. Um, the two bills largely align on the amount of funding, but a number of key provision uh, they do, don't with ICE and the Defense Department. Uh, Richard Shelby, who chairs the Senate Appropriation Committee, said um, uh, that uh, a conference committee is inevitable. They've got their version. We'll, we'll, work our, we'll, we'll work our will, and we'll obviously we'll go to conference, and we'll either have to hash that or not. The move, so which means they got to vote today or tomorrow to approve this bill to get it to conference committee and have a vote by Thursday. Uh, if they don't get it done, that kicks the fight over to next month, um, and um, if, if and they're not negotiating right now uh, to look at this. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it looks like the conference committee is going to have to do their work. Which I mean, I just don't see how they're going to get this done before they leave for July Fourth recess. You know, I'm not going to say they shouldn't go on vacation, but, you know, this is something that, that's not that hard. It's only it's a small bill, 27 pages. You know, you're going to have to give some, you're going to have to get some. But we know uh, that the Trump request of $4.5 billion, $3.3 billion would go to increasing shelters and care for unaccompanied children and minors, in addition to processing new arrivals, and $1.1 billion was for other border operations. Um, and expanding the number of be detention beds. And that's what, that's what, I, that's what a house is not going to agree to. They're not going to expand the number of detention beds. They're just not going to do it. Uh, so they're going to, I think they're going to shore up uh, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, the ORR at, uh, DH at HHS, uh, because without new funding, that office will not be able to pay staff or grantees starting early next month. Uh, this is, um, you know, it's just kind of crazy. I know that Durbin said this morning as well that there would be a provision uh, inserted in the bill, uh, House bill, uh, which uh, gives congressmen the right uh, and senators the right to visit uh, these facilities whenever they want to. Right now, they have to schedule it and are denied frequently. And uh, so this is um, this is going to be something that's going to be really interesting. 
uh, as we move forward and something that's, that speaks volumes about uh, where we are as a country. This is simple. You know, let's make sure that people are processed quickly. Let's make sure that they are uh, uh, given the right to apply for asylum in a legitimate way. Uh, and ensure that uh, people are treated humanely. I mean, there's no reason we can't treat people humanely. We can, if we got to build tents, we got to build tent cities. But we can do it in a way with air conditioning. Uh, we can do it in a way that treats people with dignity and gives them the process and the lawyers. And that's the other thing here. You know, when you don't have a lawyer, your chance of winning your asylum case is basically zero. You're basically a unicorn if you can win an asylum case in front of a judge without a, without a without a, a lawyer. And when you don't have time to prepare your asylum case, you just have zero chance. To, you know, nobody walks through the, across Mexico and then walks across the desert or walks to the port of entry and has their case assembled. I mean, all, everything's done in American English, so they got to have the stuff in English, they have that translations on, they have supporting documents. Um, and it is, uh, it is just absolutely brutal, absolutely brutal. And, um, you know, McConnell has been terrible. McConnell's such an idiot. You know, I can't believe people in Kentucky would reelect this clown uh, to go back to Congress. Because um, he said the Democratic House representatives has been more interested in denying this White House whatever it asks for, however necessary. It might simply be because the White House was asking for it. That's, you know, that's just, uh, that's just crap. Um, so, you know, but we have to understand that there's also a movement at the same time to take away the protections of, uh, of our laws that are currently in pace through asylum and credible fears. Uh, one of our Georgia congressmen, uh, Doug Collins, and then Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson introduced uh, House Bill uh, uh, 3360 um, to uh, what they uh, allege uh, is addresses uh, the, um, the abuse uh, of uh, our asylum system uh, by people coming in the country seeking asylum. Uh, so what they write in their press release, now, I, I would love to go over H.R. 3360, which they filed on June 21st, but it has not been given to the congress.gov for publication. So we have no idea what it actually says. Um, and uh, here's what they say. Uh, the bill makes a number of necessary improvements to prevent fraud and abuse in the asylum system and to ensure it is reserved for those truly fleeing persecution from their home countries. Our system already does that, guys. It really does. I mean, I wonder how many years they have spent as immigration lawyers. Uh, Doug Collins, and I'm going to read his statement because it really points out uh, how hypocritical uh, these, two, these two guys are. Quote, Americans have dedicated resources for victims of persecution, and we can't allow fraud or abuse to siphon resources from these vulnerable men, women, and children. You can hear the orchestra playing in the background. The Asylum Reform and Border Protection Act would help prevent frivolous asylum claims and address the border crisis at the same time. Um, that's simply uh, not true. Here's what they say are key components of the bill. It improves the credible fear standard. Now, for those of you who don't know what credible fear is, basically, uh, if, you're, if you show up at a port of entry and are seeking uh, to apply for asylum in the United States, you have to, but you're deportable, you have to pass what's called a credible fear interview. And, and this, what this credible fear interview is, you have to tell and convince an asylum officer that there is a chance, a possibility, uh, that your claim... Uh, is not frivolous. 
and that if, if it's true, that you could possibly win asylum. It doesn't mean you're going to get asylum. In fact, people are frequently denied asylum to pass credible fear. But it's an initial phase, initial uh, way to look at it. And basically, you can appeal it to an immigration judge, but that's it. And the immigration judge rubber stamps those if you don't have a lawyer. Here's what this says. H.R. 3360 enhances the very minimal standard under current law, which allows aliens, foreign nationals, apprehended at the border to claim a credible fear of persecution. All right. It's a very minimal standard for the reason that you want to look at asylum claims in the way the Supreme Court has said in uh, Cardoso-Fonseca. That is, is there a 10% chance you would be persecuted in your home country on one of the five protected grounds? If there is, you get asylum. The, the credible fear is below that standard. Here's what they say. Quote, the vast majority of asylum claims do not meet the standards needed and are later denied when their case heard for an immigration judge. Correct. Because that's what immigration judges are for. H.R. 3360 requires aliens to measure credible fear that it's more probable than not. So basically, a higher standard than that required by the Supreme Court and the current law. This has zero chance of ever becoming law. Two, it terminates asylum for those who return home. The bill requires termination of asylum status when asylum returns to the home country in which they sought asylum, absent a change in country conditions. Being so fearful that you must claim asylum and then willing to return to that country absent change contradicts logic. Well, that's true um, in some circumstances, but there are circumstances which may override fear, such as my mom is dying of cancer and this is my only chance to see her. I'm going to get in and get out quickly. So in, it has been been kind of unwritten policy for years that your asylum status, and it is a law, can be revoked uh, if you in any way uh, country conditions changes or you go go back. Doesn't need to. Doesn't need to. Actually, this does not require them to do this. What they're trying to do is make it a much broader policy. This bill also quote specifies the precise instances in which the DHS parole program can be used. The Obama administration strained the parole program going beyond the intent of Congress to entire classes of people. So basically, by statute, making DACA go away, making parole in place for spouses and parents and children of military uh, and veterans go away, um, eliminating humanitarian parole. I mean, that's never going to pass. Next, provides asylum seekers the ability to apply for benefits from safe third country. The bill grants DHS the power to remove asylum seekers to safe third countries where they could have a full access to fair procedure to apply for asylum without the current necessity for bilateral agreements. Yeah, that's never going to happen either. And then finally, uh, protects, supposedly protects taxpayer dollars. While the Immigration Nationality Act has long prohibited taxpayer-funded attorneys for aliens and removal proceedings, the Obama administration used tax dollars to pay for lawyers for unaccompanied alien minors. This bill makes that prohibition more explicit. Boy, I got to tell you, Doug Collins, I hope you have a great time in church on Sunday. I don't see how you can actually sleep at night and call yourself a Christian and believe the stuff you put in this bill. Shame on you. Shame on you. Uh,
that's our talk this week. We appreciate those that listen to our podcast. Spread the word uh, where you can pick this up on, on Stitcher or TuneIn or SoundCloud. We're going to put it on lots of different mediums. Uh, but uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at uh, chuck at immigration.net. Visit our website at immigration.net. Uh, we're also in Spanish, by the way, immigracion.net. And one of these days, I'll do this podcast in Spanish for all those of you who say, ¿Por qué no están español? Uh, until next week, this shows Charles Cook of the Immigration Hour.